Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Crowd Noise Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Martinez, and it is officially Holly Jolly season, December 5th, 2019. That's the date today. I hope you all had a fantastic Thanksgiving. I know I had a Thanksgiving. No, I'm just kidding. It was great. I had a wonderful time uh, on Thanksgiving. The only problem was is there weren't enough leftovers, and I know people complain about leftovers, um, but... I'm fortunate enough to where, you know, my home makes exquisite Thanksgiving meals. So I'm looking forward to leftovers. And I only had like one plate left over for the next day. So that was kind of disappointing. But uh, for the most part, it was was a fantastic uh, Thanksgiving. Now looking forward to Christmas and to New Year's. And I got to tell you, we have some special stuff planned for the last few episodes of the decade. The Crowd Noise Podcast is going to be doing the top moments in sports of the decade to close out the year that will be in just three short weeks the day after christmas it will be the last crowd noise episode of the decade it'll be the last crowd noise episode of the year obviously uh december 26th uh one day after christmas and that'll be the closest to the end of the year uh we'll get kind of feeling a little bit nostalgic uh these past few days because it's not just a new year it's a new decade and I, I, I don't know, I'm kind of corny. I think, that's, I think that's important. I think that is special. How do we categorize years? We always talk about the nostalgia of the 80s, the 90s, 70s, 60s, and we just completed a decade. Now, that might not seem like a big deal in case you're one of the members of our older audience, but for me, this is probably the first decade where I truly lived and experienced the decade. Because I'm on the younger side, a uh, member of Gen Z. So the 2000s, yes, I remember them, but I was very young for more than half of them. Like, I probably don't remember or have a good recollection of the year 2000s until roughly like 2007. Like it started there. So I really didn't get to experience the 2000s truly until... It was more than halfway over. So for me, this is like the first decade where I actually got to participate uh, as as a human being. So I'm pretty uh, excited, looking forward to the 2020s and a little bit uh, nostalgic about the 2010s. And so I cannot wait for three weeks uh, from today when we do have our top um, sports moments from the decade of the 2010s, The, the 10s, I guess you could say. So that'll be lots of fun. It is the end of the new year. Uh, so lots of stuff going on. Or it is the end of this year, moving on to the new year, I should say. Uh, did I did do my Apple Music replay, uh, which is it takes the best song, or not the best song, it takes the songs that you listen to most and the artists that you listen to most over the course of the year. And I got to say I'm a little bit ashamed, kind of embarrassed. I'm not, it, it's kind of, I'm not like embarrassed like the person I listen to is a guilty pleasure. I do listen to them, but I would never in a million years categorize them as my number one. I would have never thought that they were the most listened to artists that I had this year. It was Metallica, okay? Yeah, I know I'm a huge, I'm a big edgelord, okay? I get it. You can make fun of me all you want. I use it when I play Tetris. I use it when I need to focus, when I'm, uh, when I'm actually, when I'm writing notes, um, for the podcast, and that kind of makes a lot of sense because it's guaranteeing I listen to them at least once a week every single Thursday because I use them like to focus. I make great music, but I would never categorize them as my favorite artist. Not even, not even almost. 
So I was kind of ashamed. True favorite artists, and they still cracked the top three, which proves, you know, I didn't really listen to them, to them that much, and they still cracked the top five, uh, is always Florence and the Machine, uh, Hippocampus, uh, Mellow Fellow. They all made, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an indie guy, I'd like to think, and my top three was, top three artists were Metallica, LaRue, who I do enjoy a lot. I forget the, I forget number three. I think number three was always. So my still, my true favorites still cracked the top three. Um, T Swizzy in the top five as well. Uh, but I'm kind of disappointed. Like, I don't feel that's an accurate representation of myself. I'm, I'm a little bit like embarrassed. Like, I do like Metallica. I do a lot. They didn't get up there by accident, though they, they kind of did because I would not categorize them as my favorite. But I mean, the numbers never lie. So apparently that's what I listened to most uh, during the year 2019. So there is that. Now time for some sports. We do have our um, college football playoff rankings for this week. Some pretty big shakeups. Alabama out of the top 10. They lose the Iron Bowl and now they're number 12 in the nation. They're done. And, I, and we knew they were done anyway. If they, had to, if they had lost one more game, they were finished. But, I mean, to fall out of the top 10... That is, it's, it's pretty astounding. And I, I, I did not expect for them to drop. They were number five last week. They dropped, what, seven spots? And they lost to a good team. Auburn is a very good team at home. And they dropped seven spots. Uh, I'm pretty shocked by that myself. Um, but them's the rules. I mean, here we, we move on to another week. It is, it is a conference championship week in college. Football, we will be picking the top three games for you, and there are some very big uh, conference championship games this week with serious playoff implications on the line. We got a great week of NFL football as well. I mean, we didn't really get to pick the superstar games last week because uh, we did. It was Thanksgiving, and we were feeling very festive. Uh, and like I said, it was a very fun Thanksgiving. Enjoyed the games for the most part, um, and they did provide a great level of content. Uh, which you're going to listen to in just a uh, short amount of time. But we didn't get to pick Ravens Niners, which was like the Super Bowl preview. And it was a fantastic game this previous Sunday. And for what it's worth, I know you're, gonna, you're not going to believe me, but for what it's worth, I would have picked the Ravens. If I had gotten onto the show, I did pick the Ravens. But it doesn't count. I'm not going to add that to my record. Uh, but we do get to make up for it this week because we have three more fantastic games for you. Cannot wait. Uh, to pick the games this Sunday. Uh, and then, like I said, we will have some stories uh, in the NFL that I really want to get to, something that developed uh, over the course of Thanksgiving Day. And then we have the quote of the week. Always. We always close out the show with the quote of the week, so that'll be tons of fun. Uh, so here we go. Without further ado, let's get into our college football playoff uh, rankings, starting from 10 to 1 as we normally do. The top four stayed the same. There was no shakeup in the top four. That's fair. I could see that. That's accurate. Um, Ohio State is just dominating everybody. They deserve to be number one. I like LSU a lot because of their resume, but Ohio State's just ripping teams to shreds. And I think it's it's unfortunate that one of them has to be ranked below the other because they're both phenomenal then you have Clemson who's undefeated as well but they and again they still don't have the resume that uh, LSU has or even Ohio State but they're still a very good football team I'm not trying to discredit them Um, 
it, it's just kind of unfortunate that you have to see Ohio State one, LSU two, or vice versa, because they're both they're both so great. I hope we get those two teams in the national championship this year. Now, number ten, Penn State, uh, hanging around the top ten. Then number nine, Florida. Number eight, Wisconsin. What could have been with Wisconsin had they have taken care of business against the Illinois Illini? That's all you had to do. It's like you were expecting them to lose to Ohio State. That's fine. Uh, Ohio, State, Ohio State beats everyone, like we just said. Just beat Illinois. They're terrible. I forgot Illinois had a football program. I had no idea Lovey Smith was the coach of Illinois. And you derail this entire season. And here we go. Lo and behold, they're number eight in the nation. And they're a great football team. I like Wisconsin a lot. To start out the season... They were my favorite team in the nation. Now, that's not to say I thought they were going to win the national title, but they were my favorite team to watch in the country. Jonathan Taylor, superstar. They have a stout, suffocating defense. They should be much better um, than what they have done this season. Very disappointing for Wisconsin, and they're top 10 in the nation. That tells you how good of a team they, uh, they really are, that they're top 10, and this is what I consider a disappointment for them. They should be much, much better. Uh, but again, what can you do? Uh, then we get it starts to get a little bit more interesting. In the top seven, you have uh, Baylor, then six, Oklahoma. Number five, Utah. And again, the top four remains the same with Georgia, Clemson, LSU, and Ohio State in that order. Now, the top six really is what the college football playoff has come down to. Yes, Baylor has one loss, and they do play in the conference championship this week against Oklahoma, but... I don't know how many people are going to put in Baylor over Utah. Okay, I don't... Even if they were to beat Oklahoma, I don't know if... That's going to be tough, okay? Because both Baylor and uh, Utah are, shall we say, the smaller programs. Like, it's going to be hard for Utah to get into the playoff over Oklahoma. A lot of people want to see Oklahoma in this college football playoff because they are Oklahoma. And remember, this is a television event. Yes, the playoff is about getting the best four teams in the nation into the playoff. But it is also a TV event. And do we think that either program has a chance, a chance in hell to beat Ohio State? No. So at that point, it's about, okay, who can garner the most ratings? Who's going to be the most fascinating to watch? Well, Oklahoma has Lincoln Riley. They have Jalen Hurts. They have the past two Heisman Trophy winners. They've been to the last two college football playoffs. And Utah has a really loud home atmosphere. So it's going to be hard, I feel, for Utah to get, get in uh, over Oklahoma. If Should Baylor beat Oklahoma, which I don't think will happen, Utah's getting in so long as they take care of, uh, take care of business against Oregon, which I think they will. Utah's a good football team. They are for real. Their one loss is an ugly one to USC, who... Is not very good. But Oklahoma has an ugly loss as well to Kansas State. So, I mean, that part you can kind of forgive them for. And they have dominated everyone else. Utah has taken, biz- taken care of business in the Pac-12 conference. They have steamrolled everybody that they've played. But they do not have the name value over um, Oklahoma. They just, they just flat out don't. Neither does Baylor. And I don't think Baylor's going to get in, regardless of what happens on Saturday. If it was up to me, and it is about getting the best four teams in the nation into the playoff, 
I think you have to put in uh, excuse me Utah. I think you have to put Utah in over Oklahoma because again they have dominated every team that has stood in their way. And again, let's look at the conference championship this week. You have Utah and Oregon. That's a number five and number thirteen matchup. And then you have Baylor and Oklahoma, which is seven and six respectively. I don't know how many people are going to look me in the eye and tell me that Oregon is not better than Baylor. Despite the rankings and despite Oregon really laying an egg in Arizona State, which is their second loss of the season, I don't know how many people can definitively tell me that Oregon is not better than Baylor. And again, part of that goes into name value. So will Oklahoma's win over Baylor be enough to leapfrog them over Utah? My answer is no. Should they get in, it will only be because of ratings. Because you cannot definitively tell me that Oklahoma is better than Utah. You can't tell me that they're a better football team, hands down. You can't. Utah has dominated everyone that they have faced. And Oklahoma has won all their games as well, except for one. They have the same record as Utah. But... Then you start, you start to compare them, and they're really, really similar. Pac-12, Big 12, not very deep conferences. Neither of them have had really um, a murderer's row schedule. Both of their conference championship opponents are good, not great teams. Oklahoma does have the benefit of Baylor being ranked in the top 10, though. That is, they, the rankings will give Oklahoma a slight advantage, but from what I have seen thus far in the season... Utah has been the better football team. And to this point, the committee agrees with me because they do have Utah one spot over Oklahoma. For Oklahoma to leapfrog Utah, both coming off of a win, they will have to dominate Baylor. I mean, utterly embarrass them and leave no room for doubt whatsoever. And again, this is a team that they've already beaten as well. We've already seen this. Oklahoma and Baylor and again they could have and maybe should have you could say lost that game they were getting smashed at halftime and then come back and they were able to win that game credit where credit is due they never gave up they never folded came back and won that game in Waco but Utah's facing an opponent they haven't seen this year so I think there is something to be said about that playing a team that you've already seen uh, if you're Oklahoma versus playing a team who you have not seen and you have you're not prepared for Uh, for Utah so I think um, well let's get into our picks now so there's your college football playoff rankings now time to pick the games and we have three blockbuster games that we're going to pick for you right now let's do the least controversial I guess you could say game first that is Georgia and LSU SEC championship game this is probably going to be the best game of the weekend and yet I think it's the least talked about one because it has the least at stake. There's the least, like the, the, the consequences for this game are little to none. Okay, and the reason I say that is because if LSU wins, well, then nothing changes. Then it comes down to Oklahoma and Utah, right? And we've already discussed that. If Georgia wins, the playoff is set. If Georgia wins this game, it's there's no room for debate. Georgia's getting in, and you're not kicking out LSU. I don't even want to begin to hear that debate. Oklahoma over LSU, Utah over LSU. Don't even waste your breath. Don't waste my time. There's no way that LSU falls out of the playoff this week. It is impossible. It is not 
happening. I, they could lose 50 to nothing. They will be in the playoff, will LSU. There is no way LSU is, getting, is, is dropping out of this playoff. It's, it's not happening. It is just not happening. LSU is already in. So if Georgia wins, that's for, honestly, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you my honest, root, uh, the team that I'm rooting for. I want Georgia to win this game. I do. For that reason. Because it makes it so simple. If Georgia wins, the playoff is set, and I don't, have, I don't care what, what Oklahoma or Utah does. It's over, and we don't have any room for debate. We can just sit back, get ready for bowl season, and just wait for the playoff to roll around and watch the games. That's it. We don't have any room for debate. No one is angry. No one is sad. No one is, uh, is upset. It, it's, it's over. So I want Georgia to win this Saturday. I do, because that, that eliminates the, the debate, and it, it, it makes my job a hell of a lot easier. And then it makes everyone else's job a hell of a lot easier because there's no room for debate. Oklahoma can plan for uh, the Cotton Bowl. Utah can get ready for the Rose Bowl. And everyone's on their merry way. Utah would love to be in the Rose Bowl. When's the last time Utah played in the Rose Bowl? I have no idea. For those of you trivia buffs out there, you can figure that one out on yourself. For those of you Google buffs out there, you can also figure that one out for yourself. Because I have no idea, and I quite frankly don't care about the last time Utah played in the Rose Bowl. We would have Utah and likely Penn State or Wisconsin. That's a good football game. I would watch that. Utah, Wisconsin would be a tough physical football game. I would watch that. That'd be a great Rose Bowl. Cotton Bowl, you'd have, you'd have Oklahoma and I don't even actually I don't even know what other conference plays in the Cotton Bowl. I'm gonna be very honest with you. I don't watch the Cotton Bowl. I don't care. So that one I'll skip any regardless. But we'd have a great playoff. And I don't think we're going to be that lucky. I think LSU will take care of business this Saturday. They're phenomenal. I love LSU so much. Coach O, tons of fun. Joe Burrow, a superstar. I think a Heisman winner. I think he's got to be the Heisman Trophy winner because he's been the most dynamic player maybe in the country. And again, it's flip a coin, him or Justin Fields. But I think Ohio State is such a great team. I don't know if they're winning because of Justin Fields. And, I, and that's not to take anything away from him at all. But I think if you take Justin Fields off that team, they'd still be very good. I think if you take Joe Burrow off of LSU, they're not the same team. That's just my opinion. And that's why I think he is the difference in... I think that's what's the difference in the Heisman race. I would give it to Joe Burrow for that reason. I think if you take him off LSU, it's a different. We're talking. We're having a different conversation. If you take Justin Fields off Ohio State, they're not as good, but they're probably still top five in the nation. They're not as good without Justin Fields, but they're still a very good football team. Uh, I'm getting off track here a little bit. I think LSU will win this game uh, on Saturday against Georgia, and then we, the debates start: who's in Oklahoma or Utah? And again, this. I mean. Oregon can throw a wrench in this whole thing if they just beat you. Or actually, maybe not even throw a wrench. It'll make it a lot easier because then Oklahoma's getting in. It'd be the winner of the Big 12 title game. Uh, Baylor or Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma will win that one. Spoiler alert. Um, So it would just come down to the winner of the Big 12 championship game. They're getting in. Which is kind of disappointing because I think Utah's physicality will probably match up with Ohio State better. I don't think either of them are going to beat Ohio State, but I think Utah, honestly, is a better matchup for Ohio State physically. It, and again, it, it really won't even matter who gets in there. <laughs> Ohio State, they're rolling over anyone you put in front of them outside of LSU and Clemson in the national title game. That's going to be a show. 
So now let's get into those two games, which I kind of already spoiled to begin with. I think Utah will win the Pac-12 title. I do. Kind of out on Oregon as a football. And again, yeah, they're out of the playoff, duh, obviously. But I'm out on them being relevant. You cannot lose uh, in Tempe to Arizona State the way they did. They did not play very well. They played just awful. And a game that they should have won. And even still, at the end of that football game, had a chance to win. They were clearly the better football team. I mean, there's no one's going to try and debate Arizona State being a better team than Oregon. They were the better team that night, and they came to play, and that's why they won that game. Why do we play the game, Herm? And they beat Oregon, and I, I, I can't forgive that. That's something that, uh, for me, is just... If you're one of the top teams in the program, uh, in, in the nation, if you're one of the top programs in the nation, you take care of business against these lower-level schools. That's why I'm so down on Wisconsin. They're number eight in the country now. Just imagine if they had taken care of business and beaten Illinois. They could have beaten Illinois by one point, and they'd probably be in the playoff right now. They would be in the top four, if not the top five. And they didn't. They didn't take care of business against an inferior opponent. And now look where they are. They're probably maybe going to get into the Rose Bowl. Maybe. We don't know what, we don't know what Penn State's uh, going to do or where they're going to be ranked um, come Selection Sunday. So that's Wisconsin's fate. So if you look at Oregon not taking care of business against Arizona State, I'm not really, uh, I'm not sold on, uh, excuse me, on Oregon. I'm going all in on Utah. I think they're going to win the conference. And I, sh- I think they, at that point, would deserve to get into the playoff. And where did that come from? All of a sudden, the Pac-12 has a representative uh, in the playoff. And it's not Oregon. It's not USC. It's not Stanford. It's Utah. What a wacky year it has been in college football. And then finally, the Big 12 title game, you have Oklahoma and Baylor. I think Oklahoma will take care of business. Baylor, no disrespect to Baylor. Oklahoma's a better team. They came out and got punched in the mouth in the first half in the first game that they played, Oklahoma and Baylor. I think this game they're going to be ready from the get-go. It's in uh, Jerry World, I believe, too. So Actually, I think it's about... Same distance for Baylor, Oklahoma. In fact, it might even be a Baylor uh, home game, technically, because it is. I don't know how close Waco is, or is it the same city? Again, I'm not. So there's so many of these like big little cities in in Texas. You get I, I get confused with them. There's Fort Worth, there's Dallas, there's Waco, there's um, Lubbock. Obviously, Houston and Austin. Those are. I mean, you don't confuse those. But I mean, like those smaller cities in, in Texas. There, they, there's just so many. There are so many small, big cities in Texas. I get them all confused. But anyway, I think Oklahoma, I don't care where they're going to play this game. They can play it in Waco for, for all I care. Oklahoma's going to win this week. Um, I think Utah should get in. That's my personal opinion. And then we'll have our debates. This could all change. Oregon could, could make this a very easy next podcast for me if they just beat Utah and then it's just the Big 12 title game. That'll be the wild card round, if you will. For, for the college football playoff. Whoever wins that one's probably getting in. How disappointing. This would be the worst case scenario for college football if Oregon wins and if Baylor wins. You don't get Utah in the playoff. You don't get Oklahoma in the playoff. You get Baylor. Like if you thought Utah was a small program, because that's what a lot of people's arguments are is that the committee wants to see, and the country just wants to see Oklahoma. Like as fans, like it's easier for fans, it's easier to sell Ohio State, Oklahoma than it is to sell Ohio State, Utah. 
What's harder than that is selling Ohio State Baylor. That is extremely hard because at least with Ohio State uh, Utah, I could say, well, the Pac-12 fans will be watching. Because again, what kind of a turnaround is that from the Pac-12 being one of the worst conferences in the nation to suddenly they're in the playoff? I had, and again, I'm the Pac-12 aficionado. I'm supposed to be the guy. That shocks me. So you would at least have uh, fans on the West Coast watching that game. At least. Who watches Baylor football? I mean, and I know disrespect to Baylor, even though I am, I'm disrespecting them pretty bad. No one is watching that game. No one outside of Columbus, and maybe not even those people, because they already know what the outcome of that game is going to be. No one is watching Ohio State Baylor. It would be the worst possible scenario if Baylor beats Oklahoma and Oregon beats Utah. That would be the worst possible scenario in college. And again, unless Georgia beats LSU, then that would be the that would be the, the fail safe. Then everything's fine because we it would just stay the same. We'd get the top four teams. But I don't think that's going to happen because LSU is, they're studs as well, like Ohio State. You put anyone in front of them and they're probably going to win. But that's what I'm hoping doesn't happen. I hope Oklahoma and Utah take care of business. So at least we have that to fall back on. But what I am really, really, really rooting for, what I want to see is Georgia beating LSU. I don't know if it will happen, but I want it to. Because then we get, I think at that point you can safely say, we have the best four teams in the nation, hands down. Because again, LSU, it's, I can't come up with a scenario where LSU suddenly is not in the playoff. With the resume that they've had, and as dominant as they've been all season long, for them to slip up once against a very good opponent, a top five school on neutral field, for you to say they don't deserve to be in the top four, that's not going to happen. It's just not, there's no scenario I can, I can come up with. If Oklahoma beats Baylor 600 to 1, and that's actually mathematically impossible because you can't score just one point in football, but if they were to beat them, let's say 600 to 3, that's more realistic technically, um, I, there's no way that they're getting in over LSU. It's not happening. You can beat them 600 to 3, and they are not getting in over LSU. So forget that. What I am rooting for is for Georgia to win. And if that likely doesn't happen, which, it, I mean, again, it probably won't, then I need Utah and Oklahoma to take care of business, and then we can have these debates for the next few weeks up to Selection Sunday. And with all of that, now let's move to the NFL. Oh, wait, by the way, I, I forget. Sometimes I don't know how often I forget to put in my record picking games, but in college football, we went two and one last week. That brings our record to 33 and eight on the season. I mean, utterly dominant on my end. I will give myself a pat on the back. I haven't forgotten to keep track of my record. Like that is accurate. Like that is our record. But sometimes I forget to throw it into the show here and there. What are you going to do? We are 33 and eight. So anyway, back to the NFL. We're going to do things a little bit differently. Usually we do our picks at the top of the show in any combination of NFL, college, first, second. It doesn't really matter. Um, we do our picks first, always. We do the rankings and picks either way. We're going to do a little bit, and then we get to like the opinionated narrative stuff uh, after the picks. This week we're going to do it first because I have to get this out of the way. And usually this is what happens uh, a lot is I have an opinion section or a narrative section or whatever, and it's about one of the teams that I'm picking, and I will give it away 
as I'm picking the game, and then that just that takes away the whole segment of the show. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give that segment now and then pick the game. So that way we have two segments and I have a full meaty show. So I think well, that's what we're going to do this week. If you don't like it, you can. Uh, our consultation hours are 2 to 3 of every other Thursday. Um, you can mail us at... I don't know, but yeah, you, if you if you don't like it, you know, I'm a crazy old man told me you can kick rocks. So here's what we're gonna do: we're gonna get into our narrative, uh, our narrative section first, and then our picks. So last week, watching Thanksgiving football, uh, picking all three Thanksgiving games, and I said, and I made it very clear, the best game of the day was going to be the middle one, the Cowboys and the Bills. It's going to be like a Thanksgiving meal. That was going to be the turkey part. It was going to be the best thing. I made a whole analogy of it. Uh, I was having lots of fun uh, with my analogy. I probably overdid it a little bit, as I normally do. And it was actually the worst game of the day. Like, it was awful. And I picked the Cowboys to win that game. Not only did they lose that game, they were just flat-out beaten down and embarrassed on national television, at home, on Thanksgiving Day. And I thought, wow, this game is terrible. I mean, they scored on the first drive. It was 7 nothing, and it looked like the Cowboys came to play. And that was it after. They had one drive, and the game was over. It was literally over after one drive. It was done. And so I said, wow, that game wasn't very entertaining. And then I thought, but that was actually great. For me because that provided me with some very juicy content for today's episode and it may not even be a hot take it may just be standard at this point but again I made this podcast because I wanted to give out my opinion I wanted to share with you my thoughts on what's happening in the sports world and maybe it is standard and maybe I have this same thought with the vast majority of football fans, but I don't care because that's why that was the point of the show was to share my opinion. No matter how outrageous or how dull it may be. In my opinion this week, and again, this may not even be a hot take. This is like standard. And the reason why I'm setting this, this groundwork is because you know what I'm about to say. You know what I'm about to say. You could probably do it at the same time as me, and I'm, I'm, that's what we're going to do. At the count of three, or at the count of one, I'm going to count down for three. I want you to say what you think I'm going to say, and I will say what I'm going to say. And I bet we will have the same sentence when it's all said and done. So here we go. I want you to say out loud at the count, we're going to count down for three. I want you to say what you think I'm going to say. Ready? Three, two, one. Jason Garrett needs to be fired. We said it at the same time. And I know, and again, I can't hear you. I'm kind of doing like some, some Dora logic. You know, when she goes, what was your favorite part? And she just stays silent and then just says, I like that part too. That's kind of what I'm doing here. But I feel pretty confident that we just, we just echoed each other. We just said the exact same sentence. Jason Garrett's done. The final nail has been in the coffin. It's over. They now, and even by some miracle, are a game up still in the NFC East because the Philadelphia Eagles couldn't beat the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> by some miracle, they're still in the division lead. 
I think it's over. I, I don't even think it's a surprise. I don't think it's a hot take at this point. Jason Garrett is no longer the Dallas Cowboys head coach. I don't care what they do. I don't care if he wins the division. I don't care if he loses out. It's done already. It's a tradition for the Dallas Cowboys to play on Thanksgiving. And I even said last week, it's ironic that I said this, I said they usually play well on Thanksgiving because it is a tradition. And I said they will probably play well because they were embarrassed the previous week, the previous week against the New England Patriots. I said they will probably play better because they are at home. And they did the opposite of all three of those statements. Not only did you not come to play in Thanksgiving, not only did you not make adjustments from the week prior, because again, they didn't score very many points against Buffalo either, you know, because they didn't score anything against the Patriots. And not only did you not come to play better at home, you were embarrassed on national television on Thanksgiving Day in Jerry World, in front of Jerry. And he's always at it every game anyway. It's, I mean, what more do you need to see? What more proof do you need that Jason Garrett is, not only is he not, and again, this isn't about me saying, I think he'll be, no, he's fired. He's done. It's over. It is over. He's not coming back. There's no way. There is no way Jason Garrett is the head coach for 2020. It is finished. This isn't even a debate. He's done. And you think, well, what if he wins the division? Well, let's just say, okay, sake of the argument, we'll play devil's advocate. What if he wins the division, which he very well could, because the Eagles are just a, they're bad, okay? That's it. They're, they're just not good. They're the opposite of good. They could win the division. You know who they're going to play first round of the playoffs? The San Francisco 49ers. They're going to get Jimmy G and that gang of a defense. In Dallas, they'll be at home, which might actually be even more damning for the Cowboys because you can never say they're going to come to play at home. Just because they're at home, that doesn't mean anything, which is something I've come to learn about the Dallas Cowboys. They might be better on the road. They have not beaten a team this season with a winning record. And what's so disappointing about that is they are better than the majority of the teams that they are playing. If you, look, if you compare rosters and you compare personnel, the Cowboys are just flat out better than teams. And they are sitting at 6-6. Six and six. It's an embarrassment. And it's not like, well, Jay, there's injuries this year. Nope, the team is actually remarkably healthy. They haven't had a major injury. The only person that's been hurt this year for the Dallas Cowboys has been Leighton Vander Esch. And you can't tell me that he's, like, without him, they're a 6-6 six and six team, and with him, they're what 10 and 2 like he, I mean he's a great player that's not why they're losing games okay don't try and convince me that one guy that's why they're losing games. if it was Dak Prescott that was hurt or Zeke or Amari that'd be different it's like Van Der Esch and maybe even those superstars make two or three games difference not six and six okay they can't beat teams with winning records and ironically they're better than most of the teams that they're playing and you look last week they didn't just lose to Buffalo they were they were flat out embarrassed they were out played at home against Buffalo, who is a very good team. Very good football team of the Buffalo Bills. And they made Dallas look like a team in rebuild. That game wasn't even close. It was over after one drive. So there's no way Jason Garrett's coming back. It's done. That, that part, it's over. And he may fill out the season. 
He may finish out the season. He may win the division because the division is so awful. He just might. And then he's going to get steamrolled. I mean, just flat out stomped at home by either San Francisco, which is what it would be if the playoffs started today, or Seattle. They're not beating Seattle either. And San Francisco is a legit Super Bowl contender. They're not beating San Francisco. No way, shape, form. There's no way they're beating them at home. I will bet my house the Cowboys do not beat the 49ers in the playoffs. Not happening. So he's gone. So now the question is, what next? What do we do if not Jason Garrett? Again, the reason I made this show was to give my opinion. You can agree with it. You can hate it. I don't care. I wanted to give it out. And again, you might already, be, you might already know who I'm going to say. Because it's an obvious choice. Sometimes the obvious choice is the right choice. You don't have to think outside the box. You don't have to get overly creative. Just do what you know is going to work. The Dallas Cowboys, and they can bring in no one else. I don't want to hear about Ron Rivera. And yes, he's a great coach, but there's only one guy that I want to see coach the Dallas Cowboys come 2020. He has a game this Saturday against the Baylor Bears. His name is Lincoln Riley. You've seen what he has done with Baker Mayfield. You've seen what he has been able to do with Kyler Murray. You have seen what he's been able to do with Jalen Hurts. Dak Prescott would skyrocket. He would take his game to another level. Lincoln Riley would unlock Dak Prescott in ways you you wouldn't even be able to imagine. And I like Dak Prescott. Can he be better? Sure, we all can. And I think Lincoln Riley is the guy to take him, I mean, to the stratosphere. I think he can truly open up Dak Prescott. You already have superstar Ezekiel Elliott. He has a stud wide receiver. Again, the problem is not the personnel. It's not. And if you look everywhere you look on the Dallas Cowboys, they are stacked. It is, I mean, literally all three, and maybe not all three because the special teams are pretty bad. But, I mean, offensively and defensively, there's studs everywhere. There are no holes on this team. The defensive line are, I mean, monsters. Offensive line, need I say more? Dallas Cowboys traditionally, year in and year out, have a top five offensive line in football. You have what could be argued as the best running back in the game in Ezekiel Elliott. And yes, he's had somewhat of a disappointing season. And even still, he's better than more than half the league. That's how good he is. His down year is like better than two-thirds of the league. Stud. I mean, you have Dak Prescott, who I am pretty much sold on. Even though he played horrendous. He played absolutely terrible against Buffalo. I'm not going to bury him after one bad game. I, I, I like Dak Prescott. You put Lincoln Riley at the helm of that team. I mean, we will get to see what the Dallas Cowboys should look like. Right now, we don't know who the Cowboys are. On any given week, you can see a different team. And they have not beaten a team with a winning record this year. And even teams that don't have winning records aren't guaranteed wins. Shout out to my boy Sam Darnold. So you can't even count on them to win on any, any given day. You can't definitively say the Cowboys are going to win this Sunday or Thursday for that matter. And I know for a fact they're going to win because you don't. No one, no one knows. Least of all Jason Garrett, least of all Jerry Jones. No one knows what the Cowboys are going to do. 
when it comes to game day. If you bring in Lincoln Riley, you add a level, level of stability, you add some creativity to the offense, you reignite Ezekiel Elliott, you turn Dak Prescott. He's already, maybe not anymore after last week, but up until last week, he was an MVP candidate, an outside MVP candidate. I think you, you, you put him into, like truly into the conversation with Lincoln Riley. Dak Prescott, you can make an argument as the best, best athlete of Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield. He might be a combination of both because he's not as fast or as elusive as Kyler Murray. Sure. He's, I mean, he, he fits somewhat of the prototype of Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, but he's bigger because he has the mobility. He has a above average accuracy in Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, maybe a little bit more tighter spiral than Dak Prescott. Sure. But I think Dak Prescott has the ability to thrive with Lincoln Riley. He's been successful with Jason Garrett to this point. So that's all I can say. He has been successful with Jason Garrett. If you give him Lincoln Riley, I can only imagine what kind of numbers he's going to be putting up. That is the guy. You cannot get anyone. Anyone short of Lincoln Riley is a failure. It has to be Lincoln Riley for the Dallas Cowboys. Even Urban Meyer, who some people are kind of you know, rumoring, oh, maybe interested for the job. The Cowboys might be interested in him. We have no idea what Urban Meyer is going to look like in the NFL. He's a phenomenal coach everywhere he's gone in college football. He has won at the highest level, but he has not done it in the NFL. And neither has Lincoln Riley, but we see what he has done with quarterbacks specifically. Uh, I, I don't know how good of a quarterback guru or how much development Urban Meyer can put into Dak Prescott. The reason why I'm more faithful in Lincoln Riley, because neither of them have done it at, uh, at the NFL level, is because of what he's been able to do with quarterbacks specifically. I think it'd be wise for the Cowboys to invest in Dak long-term over Ezekiel Elliott because he will have that longevity. I mean, just the position he plays. Dak Prescott is going to play longer and be... Uh, uh, he's going to hit his peak longer than Ezekiel Elliott just because of the position. That's just, that's just a fact. That's just bottom line. So I think it's smarter for the Cowboys to invest in Lincoln, excuse me, in Dak Prescott with Lincoln Riley than with Urban Meyer and Ezekiel Elliott because obviously those two have a connection being at Ohio State. Urban Meyer loves to run the football anyway. I don't think it would be like a disaster. Ezekiel Elliott would be, I mean, he'd become Jim Brown if you brought in Urban Meyer, but I don't think you would have that peak nearly as long as if you brought in Lincoln Riley with Dak Prescott. I think it's smarter to invest in your quarterback because he will last longer than Zeke just flat out because of the position he plays and Zeke's already a superstar to begin with I think Dak Prescott is knocking on the door uh, of superstardom he just needs someone to come unlock it and Lincoln Riley has the key so without further ado we now have our picks for the week starting tonight in Thursday Night Football the Cowboys and the Bears. That's why I wanted to do that specifically first because I wasn't going to throw all of that into the picks, which I normally do. I will admit, I normally give out my whole segment like during the picks segment, and it's kind of like a turducken of things I'm supposed to be talking about. So I wanted to get that out of the way because, especially because the Cowboys were first. They, they played tonight. So if, I, if they, the Cowboys played Sunday night or Monday night, I could pick them last and I, and I could kind of like segue the two. It wasn't going to work. So I wanted to. Uh, do that first so here we go tonight uh, you have the Cowboys on the road against Chicago that might, might actually be a good thing with the Cowboys again like I just said you can't you can never count on them any given you can't definitively say what they're gonna do 
in any game. You have no idea what they're going to do, least of all Jason Garrett, or how they're going to come out and play. And because I can't, in good faith, say they're going to win on any day, I, I think the Bears are going to win tonight. I think it gets uglier in Dallas before it gets a little better. And then, then you got to look ahead uh, to next, I believe it's next week, when they play Philadelphia for what would be the division championship game. And they're going to be having all the pressure in the world. As bad as the Eagles have been all year long, they have been atrocious. You give them one game at Lincoln Financial to win the division, I'm taking the Eagles in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat, I'm taking the Eagles. So I think they're going to be in a lot of trouble, the Dallas Cowboys, um, come Friday morning. I think they're going to lose tonight. I can't count on them on any given day. And what's funny is I can't count on the Bears either. I picked the Lions to beat the Bears last week. We went 1-2. Uh, and two. Our record is now 20-19, and 19, still over 500. Uh, and the Bears were losing that game. They were losing that game for about three quarters. It looked like the Lions were going to upset the Bears on Thanksgiving. And then somehow the defense stand, they, they make a stand, they get a turnover, they end up winning that game. You have no idea what you're going to get out of the Bears and Trubisky on any given day. But I just think with the, the momentum that the Cowboys have or lack thereof, I, 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 can't, I can't say they're going to win tonight. I can't. They are better than the Bears. They are definitively a better football team. Like I just said, they're better than most teams that they play. But because of the coaching scenario, they don't always play like it. So I can't say they're, gonna, they're better than the Bears. They're winning tonight because you don't know what they're going to look like. So I actually, I, I, I'm putting a little bit more faith in the Bears tonight playing at home. The conditions are going to be ugly. It's going to be cold, windy. We've seen that does not necessarily mean it's going to be a big day for Ezekiel Elliott because they, they had a reluctancy running the ball when they played the Patriots. Another game that they had a chance to win and just refused to run the football. You paid this guy... I mean, how many millions of dollars and you can't give it to them on third and one? I'm taking the Bears tonight. I, I can't in good faith say the Cowboys are going to win uh, on Thursday night football. So that brings us to the real showstopper games. And even that game is pretty interesting because you have the whole Garrett dynamic and the Cowboys have already lost two straight, maybe two straight games that they maybe could have had. So that does have a lot of... Um, I guess you could say storylines surrounded by it, but I don't know how good of a game it's going to be. The teams aren't very good. But these next two games are four very good teams. First off, you have the Ravens and the Buffalo Bills. Now, for what it is worth, I did have the Ravens beating the 49ers last week. Lamar Jackson is hes a superstar. It's must must watch television. So much fun to watch. And that game was just incredible. It was a low-scoring game, by the way, too. It wasn't 48-42 um, or 48-45. It wasn't a huge high-scoring shootout. They had to play some defense, the Ravens uh, did. And they are capable of playing defense, especially in Baltimore. It was cold and it was raining pretty heavily. And Lamar Jackson was able to make enough plays to get the W on uh, last Sunday, but they do play the Bills, who are riding very high after steamrolling the, da- the Dallas Cowboys, and I like the Bills a lot. These are two teams that I I enjoy watching, and I think the Bills are a lot better than what people give them credit for. I think people are starting to give them credit just because, I mean, if you beat the Cowboys at home on Thanksgiving, there's obviously going to be a lot of eyes on that game, so I think this was the first opportunity for the vast majority of people to watch the Buffalo Bills. I think that's the biggest problem is that not enough people are watching the Bills. 
So it's hard for them to say they're a good team. It's hard for people to buy into them because they just haven't seen enough of them. Now that they've seen them trounce Dallas at home, I think a lot of people are starting to buy into the Bills. If you listen to the podcast, you you knew way back when way back when I was all in on the Buffalo Bills, picked them to come in second in the AFC East. I think that's a compliment because the AFC East is dominated by the Patriots, and I thought the Bills would be uh, fairly decent. They're actually really good. Uh, they get the Ravens this week. I'm actually going to take the Ravens again, again, because I think the 49ers defense is slightly better than the Bills defense and he was able to run uh you know pretty comfortably against the Niners I think he'll be okay running against the Buffalo Bills defense man they're such a great team I hate picking the Bills to lose because I like them a whole lot I like them a whole lot do uh, the Buffalo Bills I just think Lamar Jackson's a little bit too much and they have a they have a solid uh consistent running game obviously with Lamar Jackson but with Mark Ingram Right now, there's kind of some muddiness in, is it Devin Singletary? Is it Frank Gore? Frank Gore, by the way, still balling even at this stage of his career. But he's not the, the workhorse that he, ever, that he once was when he was like in San Francisco. Like he's not the number one three down back. He just isn't. It's like a split between Devin Singletary, Frank Gore. I, I, I kind of like guys to take on, you know, the full weight as does Mark Ingram. I will take the Ravens this week against the Bills. And then finally, another, I mean, these are like two potential championship games. You have like a potential AFC championship, Ravens, Bills. Then you have a potential NFC championship game, 49ers and Saints. That's that's the third game we're picking this week, 49ers, Saints. I like the 49ers. You know, I, I like what I saw from them um, against the Ravens. Now I said, again, only proving my point for me. Quarterbacks are what win games in the postseason. It's not an accident the two teams they lost to are Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson, number one and two in MVP voting so far. Or, I mean, the MVP favorites, I should say. They've lost to great quarterbacks. Now, I know you're thinking, well, why, why would they beat Drew Brees? I don't know. And I'll tell you exactly why I'm joking. Because they don't use Alvin Kamara nearly as much as they should. I watched that game against the Falcons. Alvin Kamara was nowhere to be found and yes, they dominated that game, but it was the Falcons. They're playing the 49ers this week. And Michael Thomas has been on a tear because, I mean, they're just giving the ball to him more than Alvin Kamara. For whatever reason, I don't know. But I, you got to use your superstars. Take it from the Dallas Cowboys. Give it to your superstar running back. Alvin Kamara is not getting the ball nearly as much as he should be in any capacity, whether it's rushing the football or catching the ball. Um, Alvin Kamara, I mean, where, where is he to be found? Fantasy owners across the nation are asking the same exact question. I think that's going to be the difference. I, I, I like the 49ers. Their defense is for real. And yes, they're playing the superstar Hall of Fame quarterback. But are they going to be use, utilizing all of their assets as well as they should be? That remains to be seen. I like the 49ers this week. Their defense, I think. If you're taking Alvin Kamara out of the equation for yourself, if you're the Saints, you're taking one of your best players out of the equation for the 49ers, you're just making their job that much easier. I'll take the Niners. Uh, on, it's in the Superdome, but I think they'll get the job done uh, this week. By the way, speaking of them, speaking of the 49ers being on the road, the NFL needs to fix the playoff format because it is, it's just unjust. As of right now, and I wasn't just saying this as an exaggeration, the 49ers would have to go to Dallas to play the Cowboys. 
they would be the lower seeded team. The 10 and 2 49ers would have to go play on the road against the Cowboys, a game that they would comfortably win. But I think they'd much rather just have a bye and play the rest of the games. I mean, have the whole entire NFC playoffs go through, uh, I almost said candlestick, Levi Stadium in Santa Clara. I think they'd much rather play at home over the course of the playoffs. And then you look at the AFC, the Bills, same scenario. They, I mean, they're a game back of the Ravens, and they're like a fifth seed in the playoff. They're a wild card team. That's unfair. The NFL needs to fix its playoff format. And yes, division winners, you get in. And then the, it should just be the division winners clinch a playoff berth. That should stay. But then once you're in, that doesn't necessarily mean you have a playoff or your seeding. It should go best record, period. I don't care what your, what your uh, division is or if you're a division champ. If you win your division, you should get in, period. That does not mean you should get a, a home game. So like my scenario, the Cowboys would have to play. If they win the division, they're in, but they have to go on the road somewhere. I think it'd be like Seattle or San Francisco. Yeah, it would be San Francisco because they're not division champs. I think that's much more fair. Because if you, if you just get the top six teams, that kind of eliminates divisions in its entirety. That's why no one cares about divisions in the NBA. I mean, because it's just the top eight teams. And again, they're different sports. I get it. They have a completely different schedule. But you just eliminate divisions. There is At that point, you would just have the NFC and the AFC. No NFC East, no a- NFC West. None, none of those. You just get rid of them because they, they wouldn't matter. They, they just wouldn't matter because if you just had the best record, you're getting in. And in which case, this year, I think the Vikings would definitely be over the Cowboys. Like, the Cowboys would not be in the playoffs if that was the scenario. I think you keep the divisions uh, champs because that makes division or winning your division relevant. Uh, but then after that, you go by best record for the seeding because it's not fair that the 49ers as dominant as they've been right now. If it's not the Cowboys, then it's the Eagles. And actually, the Eagles are pretty tough at home. And not maybe not this year, but I mean, just in any scenario, you don't want to play. You don't want to play on the road ever in the playoffs, especially if you're a West Coast team and you have to go play in snowy Philadelphia. It's not right. And then Buffalo, the same thing. If you look at their home field advantage, who wants to go play in Buffalo in January? Nobody. No one wants to go in snowy Buffalo in January. No one. Right now, no one would have to which I think is unfair and unjust. we got to reward these teams for taking care of business. So the NFL, uh, they need to take care of that uh, very soon. they got to fix the playoff seating format as soon as possible. Now time for the quote of the week. It's the part of the show every single week where I find the best quotes from the previous week, and I put it at the end of the show, and I call it the quote of the week. So here we go. And this one kind of irritates me a little bit, but it's important, I feel, so we're going to put it into the show. And we don't duck anything that uh, irritates me. Just ask uh, Mr. Big Chest. So here we go. Quote, his commitment to our student athletes and to leading with integrity is vital to restoring our championship program. USC Athletic Director Mike Bone. Uh, When he got hired, I did a whole segment about how it was such a great thing for USC to bring in Mike Bone, someone who was not from the USC family tree, I guess you could say. And I said, and this is why it's interesting that I said this, a lot of the things I say are uh, pretty interesting. That's why they call me the psychic, because I see things uh, before most people do. I said, it's going to be a great hire so long as they, he takes care of business. Just go after Urban Meyer. Get off your high horse. 
and hire Urban Meyer because that's the guy who can restore the USC football program. It's a guy who understands what it's like to have play or excuse me, to coach for a, a program with tradition, with a pedigree, with expectation. And Mike Bone, coming from the small Midwestern school of Cincinnati, showed his hand a little bit and acted like a small-time athletic director. USC this year, they have a winning record, sure. They had some injuries, sure. Their recruiting is terrible, sure. But that's good enough, you know, for, I mean, if you, if you have a winning record, there's plenty of teams who don't have winning records. There's plenty of teams in the nation who haven't been to a bowl game in 15 years. There's lots of those programs, and USC's not one of them. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Why would we want to change that? USC is just, they're good enough. They're good enough for Mike Bone. Small-time Mike Bone coming from Cincinnati, coming from, I believe, Idaho, Colorado. A lot of small-time programs. It's, it's just good enough. Don't rock the boat. Don't. It could be a lot worse. It could be a lot worse for USC right now. Let's stick with what we have. It's exactly what Mike Bone said to the USC fan base. It's what he just said to the rest of college football. It's what he just said, maybe more importantly, to the entire West Coast. USC is officially irrelevant. And they've been irrelevant for a very long time already, but this just put the final nail in the coffin. Clay Helton is coming back. Their recruiting currently uh, is 66th in the nation. That is worse than Bowling Green University. That is worse than Navy, the midshipmen. Yes, Navy. Navy has a better recruiting class currently than USC. That is just a fact. That is, I'm not, it's not an exaggeration. It's not an analogy. That is the truth. Navy and Bowling Green currently have a better recruiting class than USC. As if losing the big games in the Coliseum, as if getting embarrassed by Ohio State in the Cotton, the Cotton Bowl was two years ago was not enough. You would think the recruiting suffering would be the most damning thing about Clay Helton. No one wants to play for him. This isn't about how nice of a guy Clay Helton is. And he, I'm sure he is. I'm sure he's a saint. He's probably super cool to hang out with. He's probably a great guy. That's not the criteria for being head coach of any program, let alone USC. You can be a nice guy and coach UTEP. Be my guest. It was the last time UTEP made a bowl game. Being a nice guy isn't enough to coach USC. It's enough to coach for Mike Bone, but it's not enough to coach for USC. And that is the problem. That is the double-edged sword in bringing in people who have no ties to the West Coast or to USC. I said it was a good thing, and, the U- and USC needed to stray away from the family tree, quote-unquote. So they brought in Lynn Swan. They had Pat Hayden. Um, I can't remember the last time USC had someone running the operation that had nothing to do with the entire West Coast. Forget USC, the West Coast. Mike Bone, he has nothing to do with any of that. Um, and it's, it was good because you felt like he was going to make level-headed decisions and he wasn't going to be overly emotional. <laughs> um, but it, the problem with that is he's just, he just doesn't understand the tradition of USC football. How could he? He comes from a small Midwestern school. He's not from Ohio State, not from uh, Michigan, not from uh, Wisconsin. He's from Cincinnati. 
That was his prior job, the Cincinnati Bearcats. And it's almost like he was, he was put in a situation where he, he could only fail. And that's actually not true. Because all he had to do was fire Clay Helton. Maybe you didn't even need to get Urban Meyer. That was the dream. That was the pipe dream. And we'll never know now if Urban Meyer was interested or not. But all he had to do was get rid of Clay Helton. That's all he had to do. They've lost. I mean, they, were, they lost to Oregon. And I said this when they did hire Mike Bone. It was the worst loss to Oregon in over 100 years for USC. That wasn't enough. Um, it wasn't enough for them to lose to Notre Dame. Rivalry game, that wasn't enough. And apparently it wasn't enough for them to have the 66, 66th best recruiting class in the nation for Clay Helton to get fired. So I don't know. As far as I'm concerned, Clay Helton is the coach of the future for UFC, for USC. I don't see what I, everything I just listed, that wasn't enough to fire Clay Helton. I don't know what he has to do. I don't know what he has to do to get fired. I don't know what Mike Bond needs to see. A bone, I don't, whatever. I don't know what he needs to see to say we need a change. And again, it's just good enough, which is not good enough at USC. They have a winning record. They're going to go play in a bowl game. <laughs> and that's what it has come to. We're now talking about USC football and going to bowl games. That should that should tell you everything you need to know right there. USC. You, the University of Southern California. We're now just discussing them going to bowl games. And the team, I mean, you watch the team play. There's just no intensity on the interior. Their offensive line gets pushed around constantly. Their defensive line just stands straight up. There's no push off the defensive line. And you look at programs like Ohio State, they're annually putting in I mean, first-round draft picks off of the defensive line. They have maulers on the D-line. Clemson last year, how many starters did they have that were first-round picks? They had an uh, entirely entirely NFL uh, defensive line, did Clemson. Alabama, need I say more? USC doesn't have that. There's no intensity. There's no physicality on the team. No one wants to play for Clay Helton. And yet he's coming back. And he's going to be here. He's going to be at USC for a while. Because I don't know what... If this wasn't enough, I don't, I don't know what, what it'll take. I really don't. Because they're winning bowl games. I mean, they're getting to bowl games. They have winning seasons. They beat UCLA, I guess. So they're beating rivals, half of them, because they lost Notre Dame. We'll see how things look next year after week one when they play Alabama. That's right. USC plays Alabama week one next year at Jerry World. Tell me how much integrity Clay Helton is going to have in that post-game conference. The last time they played Alabama, they were blown out of the arena. It was over. I mean, that game was an embarrassment. A game which Clay Helton elected to go with Max Brown over Sam Darnold. And maybe Sam Darnold doesn't make up a 50-point difference. But Clay Helton was the guy to make that call. Why? Because Max Brown was the deserving candidate. And we all like Max Brown. I mean, no disrespect to him. But he was the incumbent senior. It was supposed to be his time to take over the program. And they had this superstar. They had this monster named Sam Darnold. But he was only a freshman. He hadn't done any waiting yet. And the right thing to do. The ethical decision. One that was made with integrity. 
was to give Max Brown the starting job. How did that work out for you? You give the job to Sam Darnold, the guy who was the better player to begin with. He wins your Rose Bowl, which people are still talking about when defending you having a job, Clay Helton. The only reason you have a job right now is because of Sam Darnold, the guy who you didn't want to give the starting job to in the first place. You don't want to start Sam Darnold. And that's the only reason you have a job now because he won you that Rose Bowl against Penn State. It's a funny thing. Uh, that's going to take us to the end of this week's episode. I appreciate you guys stopping by and sticking around. Enjoy the games this weekend on crazy college football games. Uh, bowl season is upon us. USC will be a part of it. They'll be at the Sun Bowl. You can watch that game on, on CBS. They'll play Virginia Tech. I don't know. They'll play somebody. That's just that's just dandy. They're gonna USC is going to the Sun Bowl. Oh, that's phenomenal. Um, and then we have our great slate of games on Sunday in the NFL. Uh, so that'll be tons of fun. Uh, so enjoy the games this weekend. I will talk to you next week.